Authenticity. What a mindfuck of a concept. It's something that I've spent a long time trying to discover within myself. And what I found is that there are a lot of things that get in the way of that discovery. But exploration can reveal some wonderful things to discover and then have a place from which you can grow that sense of authenticity and and who we are. And then there's the layer of getting to know others and finding out who they are authentically. (laughs) And how wonderful is that when you're able to meet someone, have conversations with them and find those places where it's safe for you to kind of scratch beneath the surface of those masks, those walls that we put up to hide who we are because exposing who we are exposes us to a deep level of judgment and ridicule and all those things. But when we create a safe place with others where they feel safe to expose who they are, and then when they do, it's met with love and compassion. Like that's where some really deep connection can be made. And I think that's sort of the theme of this conversation with my good friend, April Whitney. We got into some very lovely topics of conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the best part is, is that we met under some like really unexpected circumstances that just show me how um, wonderful it can be when you put yourself out there and you just give it a shot and say, hey, like you want to hang out? (laughs) And I hope it encourages other folks to do the same because there's some wonderful people out there and talking to them can be just so wonderful. I don't know how else to say it. But this is what lies between a qualitative inquiry into whatever the fuck it is we're doing here. I hope you enjoy. But I play uh, Rocket League. I've been playing that for like since like 2016. Wow. And I play it with my friend Nick who lives in New York. He's a good friend from high school and stuff. And that's like been our way to keep in touch cool. for the that's past cute. like forever. Yeah. I like that. It's very cute, I would say. Yeah. During or no, it wasn't during COVID. It was after I got a... um. I got a meta, like the Quest headset, mm-hmm. and um, me and my sister would just like meet in the in the metaverse or whatever and play go- mini golf and stuff, and it was honestly so fun. Because it's like, if you're playing a game together, it's a different type of like time spent, right? Because you're not like, you don't have to be talking about meaningful things or like catching up on life or talking about work. You can just be like playing a game together. Yeah. It's such a nice way to just like, if you can't be together in the same room, it's such a nice way to just log some memories with someone who's far away. Yeah, I, I love that too. Log, log some memories. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also cool because it's like whenever you're, I feel like whenever there's that distance, like the only way to hang out and talk with someone, it's like, it's like you're always like catching up. Like that's always yeah. seems to be the topic of the conversation. Right. Be able, but to be able to have some experience or log some memories with someone that's outside of the typical, like, yeah, is pretty cool. Yeah. Did you see the uh, interview with, um, it was Lex Friedman's podcast uh, with um, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I was literally going to ask you that. Really? That that was the thing. Were there were there in the the hyper realistic yeah version of the metaverse and there that shit was nuts. It was insane. Yeah, this whole time I feel like everyone's been making fun of him for like everything he's doing with the metaverse, and that was really impressive. Like genuinely, yeah. like the the accuracy or like what Lex said about how it even mapped like his facial imperfections and that's what makes him him like identifiably mm-hmm. him and not like robotic or just creepy mm-hmm. was such an interesting 
to build in all the imperfections of someone. I think it's such a cool and probably a huge challenge. Oh yeah. But just like mapping the face and I think that type of technology would totally transform um, the, what it feels like to be with someone in a room online. Like it would feel, mm. it looked like it felt like they were just together in a yeah. room. Su- super realistic. And like closing the distance between folks that are in reality, yeah. very far apart and all that stuff. Yeah. It's my, weird. O- my only concern with that was there was one part where um, Mark Zuckerberg was talking about like um, how you can like change your, your very like hyper realistic version of yourself to like do this, that, and the other. And I think that's, that's one of those concerns of mine where I'm like, um, I'm all about like the, the fun of that. Like I imagine there's a fun side and like a, a, a positive side of that. But the other side of that is like people getting further and further away from like who they are, you know what I mean? Or trying to like, like not, or like not accepting who they are, like in, in the physical realm. And if you like get kind of wrapped into that world that like feels so real. And I imagine the more that the technology evolves, yeah, it might, um, you know, this is just obviously a speculation. Um, but like it could, I just see the, the potential for it, like divorcing people from reality a little bit more rather than having that like interconnected, like real feeling. I don't know, but maybe that's a a uh, paranoid thought. I don't know. I think it begs the question: like, is who you are what you look like? Well, I I would say that's that's actually a great a great question and part of part of where I w- want to start our conversation. Um, but like, I would say that the who you are isn't like, or, or what you look like isn't who you are, but accepting what you look like is an important step in that process of discovery. Interesting. Yeah, what do you think? This is going to really reveal a lot about me. But oh, perfect. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is something very few people know about me. It's so nerdy. Um, when I was in high school, my sister, she's five years older than me, she went to RISD, and she took a, some type of like computer design class, and it required that she create an account in Second Life and create this custom avatar and this whole world. And it was summertime and she invited me to download. She was like, you should, let's hang out in this little Second Life. Wait, do you know that? Mm, I'm, I'm not familiar with oh, anything you you're talking about. No. Imagine The Sims, but it's real people. Like mm. it's a real world. And it's similar to the metaverse, except it's, actually they have VR Second Life now. They have like a, you can put on a headset and enter, but it's like, it's like anything people live their lives in second life. Like they run businesses there. It's, it's wild, but I think it's very niche, very esoteric type of game. Um, anyways, I created an account and I feel like we explored that a lot together because you could completely customize your avatar. You could make it to be just like you or so weird and different. And it was, I feel like I got to know my sister so much better because Hmm. I saw her, create avatar her avatar over time like build it really customizable way um because it's done by artists and computer like graphic designers and stuff so you can get really detailed totally custom and i just learned so much about how she sees herself and it's very different interesting yeah and i i feel like i also saw sides of her that you just could not could not be expressed without that type of tool yeah and i don't know it just brought me way closer to her and also even like we, the things that we got up to in there, like 
were really silly and I saw sides of her humor I hadn't seen before. I don't know. It just brought out such interesting parts mm. of the psyche. And it made me question that a lot too. Like, how, so how important is, how closely, like, is your identity really have anything to do with what you look like? Like, or is it more of the contents of whatever your personality? Because we, obviously we use it visually to recognize people, but imagine nobody had any physical Mm-hmm. appearances then how would you actually like what would you hang your hat on to identify people it'd have to be obviously like they're you they're whatever makes them them from like a personality standpoint yeah that's so interesting because like well first first i would say that like all of those are elements because like we can't we can't not like get or we can't get rid of the fact that we are visual creatures that yeah. like you know we're object oriented and like we do um perceive based on those visual stimulus right like but like everything that you're saying there I think I was thinking of um like the customizable aspect of it mm-hmm. almost in a vacuum of like an of isolation of someone doing that but like I didn't consider the angle of like how much it could enhance someone's getting to know someone and like because I mean we all have have a have a idealized self you know mm-hmm. and while um i do i think just from my own personal journey standpoint like think that the acceptance of of who we are like in every aspect of who we are is an important step on it but also is like an important part of identifying all of that is to is to bring those other things to the surface of like what is my idealized self what is that what does that mean in the context of like um, how i treat myself or like what i do in this world because i think it has a lot it can say a lot and it sounds like for you and your sister it like was a very revealing process yeah it was revealing and it was interesting also to see on a day-to-day basis you could choose to be someone different every day or look different so you could some people will just cling on to like one avatar and that's what they always look like and Mm -hmm. then other friends we made in the world would I forget what it's called. I think it's called teleporting you teleport to a a sim they would call it like a land so nerdy and um I love it. You have friends in there, right? <laughs> and you, you can see their name tag, but they could look totally different one day, but you recognize them because also there's like voice. So you can mm-hmm. hear them and you see their name and they're totally dressed up as like something completely different every time you see them, um, which was just a cool, it was just an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. And then I, when I was in college, I studied um, science and technology studies. And one of the things that I can't remember what class it was. But one of the things we were discussing was um, Initiative 2045, which is like this Russian initiative to basically eventually transfer human consciousness into like another body. I mean, nowadays people talk about this all the time, but I don't know, 10 years ago, I feel like people were like, that's so the singularity, Mm. like that's all so far away. Science fiction sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, but that could be, I mean... I don't know. I think more and more physical identity might fade away because if for, I don't know, 40 years from now, we can literally just upload into another platform or another body or entity, then you are kind of choosing your vessel, hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you talking about the, the changing, you know, some folks change their avatar a lot. Like it, it uh, brought up a thought around like, um, how much like, I mean, just going back to our perceptions, our visual perceptions of like how much, um, 
how much those can inform and and an incorrect way or an inaccurate way of like what who someone is yeah you know, without like having talked to them and maybe in that sort of space there is uh more room to get to know the the voice you know like mm-hmm. the the inner the inner workings of yeah. someone who like more more their thought content rather than like um having to bypass all of those assumptions our brains love to make because it's like even as as aware of a person as you can be like it's hard to not um like have some sort of bias in your mind even if you are aware of it and are trying doing your best to look past it, it's still there but maybe if it's like literally not there at all and all you are is getting this like very um like non-representative of who who what they look what someone looks like in the real world but it but it does still give you like facial expression and stuff Mm -hmm. because that's the important stuff like when it comes to the visual like that's actually a something that can convey information like accurate information or um helpful information is probably a probably a better way of putting that yeah um real quick to make sure the uh, mic is like pointing at your face or at your mouth it's probably fine, but I just like, I is that a, better? yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's maybe, maybe that was more my perception. It looked, no, it, it looked you're right. right. <laughs> but anyway, that leads actually kind of perfectly into, um, the question I wanted to kind of just start this off and see what happens is, um, what is like personal authenticity to you? Like, what is, what is that? What does that mean to you? I knew you were going to have a very general opener yeah. based on your other ones. Um, I was just going to comment on something related to this. So I'll loop back to that. I was going to say something that was cool about that platform was it brought out, I feel like it was an easy way to bring out the inner child of full grown adults because the platform Mm -hmm. almost imposes play. Like you almost have to tap into some type of play to like, or creativity. And I think one of the most, the saddest things about just being an adult is walking around and everyone's kind of just masking but like deep down we're all we all have an inner child that we've pretty much found ways to suppress or just mask so that we can have make money and like whatever do whatever we need to do to be adults survive Um, survive yeah (laughs) but I think opportunities to get to know someone's inner child is cool and rare and that it was deeply authentic just getting to know someone's like actual like kid version of themselves that's Okay, fuck my question. We're just gonna ride this. We're just gonna ride this. Sorry, to derail us. No, no, because it's all it's all really related. I think. Um, yeah. Because that that's something I think about a lot. Is just a like um, the in, speaking on the inner child part. Like mm-hmm. we have a lot to learn from children, you know, and the way that they act and stuff. Like because sometimes I, I think it's easy. It's it's easy and understandable to like see some kid like freaking wailing in a supermarket or or out in public somewhere and being like oh that's annoying like or whatever but in reality that kid is just an uninhibited like ball of expression and they don't give a fuck like (laughs) it's like and that's beautiful that's so beautiful because at some point we lose that we like we and and i think that's kind of what you're it sounds like what you're speaking to there Mm -hmm. like that that authentic sense of self it's it's so funny i was i'm working on my personal statement i'm writing a little bit about like that like there's a part, part of what I write is like, as a child, um, I couldn't have, um, described my authentic self. I just was, but now like as, as an adult, like there's layers of shit that like pile on top of it. And then we have to like rediscover that. 
and everything is that i mean can you can you speak to your your like journey of of that sort of all yeah. that shit like <laughs> this is pretty relevant i just came from therapy so hey <laughs> we were talking about some of this stuff. <laughs> what a great like precursor to a conversation yeah. that we're gonna get into some deep and personal shit yeah. hopefully <laughs> yeah my journey with this is it's an interesting parallel because uh because i was a fencer for 18 years and pursued it professionally i wore i wore a physical mask in that sport that shielded my emotion from the audience and from my opponent. And it it's a really interesting thing when you think about what it taught me as a kid. Mm. There are other things that happened in my life but that contribute to this, but that even maybe preceded fencing or was the reason why I chose fencing as a sport. But I think it allowed me to uh, – it, it basically created a layer of protection where you can – I could feel safe in – my fencing equipment basically without feeling seen. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's been one of the things recently I've been thinking about in terms of just unraveling, like what does it feel like to access your most authentic self? I think it's like, for me at least allowing people to see me fully. And there's so much practice I've logged, not hiding, but just because I'm behind a mask, you cannot see any of my expression while yeah. I'm like exerting myself or performing or whatever. Like you're physically hidden. Like, yeah. yeah. Physically yeah. completely covered. That's been just like an interesting thing to peel back some, some layers on. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes so much, that's, that's such a, that evokes a, a number of thoughts, but like you're in this thing that like well, how old were you when you started fencing? Nine, eight or nine. So from this young, like critical point of development where you're like, I imagine fencing was something that garnered a lot of praise because you were really good at it. It was a, like a reward of sorts. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then on top of that, like, I mean, I was an athlete growing up, so that was like, whenever things were going well, it's like, oh yeah, like that feels great and everything, but one little thing goes wrong and it can just like melt you down. Um, and I, does that, does that resonate with you at all? Is it, I mean, I imagine it's different subjectively for us, but I think you're, yeah, I think any athlete at a young age gets used to the reward of performance. It, like if you perform, that's good. And when you win, that's good. Right. So it's like praise based on performance. If you have parents that only praise you when you win. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's different for everyone's like upbringing or parents or whoever your coach um, my, but I, most of the time my coaches were so hard on me. Like I didn't, even when I won, it didn't feel like I won because oh. it was like, I was, I did something wrong when I won. So it was like, <laughs> you won that the wrong way <laughs> and you're very bad. So oh, God I didn't damn get it. to, yeah, Fuck. yeah. <laughs> there was no winning really. God damn. Yeah. That must've been rough though. Like how, yeah. how do you think, how do you think that affected you as a, as a kid? I mean, in pretty you, much every way. Yeah. I mean, you can go into it however, however yeah. much or little you want to. I'm curious. I mean, for before I started my business, I was perfectionist. Starting my business helped me unravel perfectionism because mm. you can't get anything <laughs> off the ground unless you go through just this phase of putting out. I mean, you're going through this right now, right? Creating this podcast. Like you just have to put out stuff before you even know what it is or you're proud mm. of it or you think it's ready for the world. You're just like, here you go. Like this is going out on the internet. And it su feels super cringe or it did for me. <laughs> it was like years of creating content and being like, hey, this is so embarrassing, but I know that I have a vision for it, eventually what it will be. So I think 
it resulted in perfectionism, which I was able to work on a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, just generally being hard on myself. Mm. I've had to learn self-compassion and kindness completely as an adult because I was so hard on myself for yeah. like through college, through my twenties. Yeah, no, that's, I don't know. I feel like you and I, you and I like hit it off really quick because I feel like we have a lot in common. A, a, I feel like both you and I were very open with each other to begin with, yeah. but also like everything you're saying there, I'm just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I know what you're <laughs> talking about. Like, yeah. And the self-compassion piece, like how was that introduced to you? And like, what, what was your, I'm curious the the transformation like that's that's the sort of outlook I want to I want to look into I guess. Yeah, probably therapy. Mm. Probably that's where I started to learn it and then my seeing people I'm, I was really close to like family members also go through therapy and then visibly change like become more kind to themselves through mm. their actions and behaviors and just yeah, kind of I guess yeah, I would say that. Yeah. And, uh, so it sounds like the, you were introduced to it. Well, first of all, what were your first impressions of self-compassion? My first impressions, I have to go back. Cause I did, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of sports therapy, like psychology. It was more training related therapy where, for example, I would ha- I'd be hooked up to like all the sensors mm-hmm. and my therapist would make like a he would try to shock me during a session like out of nowhere, like bang a pan or something. And then he'd start a timer and I'd have to like get my heart rate down as fast as possible to like a normal like performance related sort yeah. of shit. I think it was like cognitive behavioral, but it was like all towards, yeah, performance and mind body connection control. Mm-hmm. But we never went into things like self like compassion or it, <laughs> you would think that would be a part of it, but it was all, it was very like sciencey. And so my first intro to more of the, I guess, emotional things as an adult in therapy was in my, was during COVID. I got a little bit before COVID. And I think my first impressions were, uh, well, first of all, I don't have enough of it towards myself or others. I think I, I was as a solo athlete in a sport where I don't have teammates it's was I was in a very selfish place for most of my mm. it's you just are so alone in that sport you're just it's you it's the you show so I think I it was an eye-opener so I was like wow I actually really need to work on this like thinking about myself thinking about myself but in a different light like in a in the compassionate light and then also for other people mm-hmm. because I think when you expand your compassion for yourself you naturally do it for others too like there's just more empathy there's more um like room for humanness in general or kindness yeah no that's that's a very similar path like when i was first well when i was first introduced to self-compassion i was like this is fucking bullshit (laughs) well not not that um not that like i guess i didn't hear of self because self-compassion is like actually like re- is, is like researched and like and all that stuff now i think i heard of this like like years ago where it was just like the just not even necessarily like the whole concept of self-compassion but just the idea of being kind to yourself and loving mm-hmm. yourself and all that i was like well that's bullshit like yes you know <laughs> or like um like you need to learn to love yourself before you can love anyone else and it's like well, yeah, but whatever, you know, like that, I, I, I just, I think, I think just the idea of like 
coming back to myself was just always, always so counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. And to find out to, to a, to be exposed to that idea of increasing and the compassion you have for yourself, the kindness you have for yourself also enhances the compassion that you have for others um, was counterintuitive. Cause it's just like, how does that make sense? Like, what don't I need to give to others in order? Don't I need to like be thinking of others more often? But like you said, it's like, it's a natural progression whenever you're, um, well, it's like, I think of what, what you're talking about there and something that I can also resonate, resonates really hard with me is the, the element of, uh, self-consciousness before all that, like you're in a sport, like uh, any sort of like performance thing, I imagine like artists, um, you know, musicians and anything where you're performing in some sort of way you're being watched enhances that feeling of self-consciousness that like, I need to think about the way I look, the way I behave, the way I speak, you know, all these things. And that can be detrimental to a certain point, but also it's, it sounds, it's, I don't know. I, I guess I just have this idea that it, builds a foundation for then when self-compassion actually gets introduced, you've already done a lot of work looking at yourself, but now you can look at yourself in a new light as like a friend and start to be like, well, I'm, I'm pretty okay. Like I, there's a lot of things about me that I like and I'm really hard on myself. Mm -hmm. And also I imagine other people have got to be hard on themselves too. And we all just need a little bit more love. Like yeah. and give that out. Like, is that something that, um, like, how's that, how's that, manifested in your life do you totally. think well I can relate to what you said when I think when I first heard it also I was like well if I if I go soft like I'll I won't be as ambitious or I can't achieve mm. my goals because I'm like giving my I'm like making excuses and letting myself be lazy and that's not what self-compassion is right it's mm -hmm. not like making excuses for yourself not to work out I think that was my first impression but mm -hmm. um how's it manifest in my life I feel like I just this obviously self-awareness but are you familiar with Young Pueblo's work at all? It sounds maybe you've mentioned them before. Have. I'm not He's sure. He's like a poet, a modern poet, and he wrote a book about his life. And his kind of thesis is that if we all did the inner work, like we started with ourselves, we that would reflect in how we treat others and the whole world would change. And I think just going back to what you said, it is kind of counterintuitive. It's like, oh, if you focus on yourself, then that's ignoring everyone else. But it's like if you really look at yourself and you're radically honest about who you are and your beliefs and you know them and you start to have more compassion for your own flaws, it just transfers to how you see everyone in your life. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it and in, in like you asked how it manifests. Mm -hmm. I think just, yeah, how I treat others or. If anything, it might be related to quality time is like my top love language. And I think mm. it, it's made that even more important because it's like who you are spending time with really matters. It really, whatever their inner world is like, it's going to rub off on your inner worlds, whether they share it with you or not, just by them taking up space in a room or how they are. Mm -hmm. And I think once I realized, wow, if you surround yourself with people who are unconscious, like have not done inner work, you might not grow, you know, at a certain point. But if you select people who to be in your life, who have faced some of their fears or are working on no one's finished, but is are working on themselves or mm -hmm. curious, are curious. Yeah. It helps you grow as a person. So I think it helped me reflect about like, who am I surrounding myself with? Who, what types of people do I want to be around? Um, like what circles do I want to be in? 
part of that's why I like left New York and I'm in Austin now. So I think it manifested in a lot of ways or yeah. Who do you want to choose as a partner or friends? All those things. Like if someone's not curious about themselves or life or like introspective, it's less appealing to have a friendship with them now these days. Mm -hmm. Cause we have such few, we don't have a lot of time. So like how you spend your time is so it's the greatest gift. Cause we have so yeah. little of it. Yeah. It's one of the, like the, uh, most important decisions you make in any given moment. Yeah. And it sounds like the, um, like this all, this all sort of led to you being able to see people more clearly through this lens of, like you said, being, a, being, a, a unconscious or not. Cause that's something I, mm -hmm. I think about. I've been thinking about a lot lately is, um, how much time I've spent in my life just sleepwalking, you know? just kind of going through the through the motions of like what I thought I was supposed to based on this like idealized version of myself in my head or um external um external forces um telling me what what I maybe directly or indirectly telling me what I should or shouldn't be and that sort of thing um but it also like kind of going back to the compassion piece it's like for those who um who at least appear to be um on the more unconscious side like i think that's where the compassion piece comes in really strong too because it's like it's not your fault it's no one's fault that you're there you know i it, it's like my my perception of it at least is like the experiences in your life have just not led to something that is like snapped with you that is that's um woken you up in a, in a way. Yeah. And it, and I think a lot of times what ends up happening is that like, at least with me and it sounds like with, with you as well, is that like it, we reach a point where it's like, this isn't fucking working anymore. Like, and I need help. And you start to seek it. You start to look for that. And for you, it ended up being, being therapy. Um, I think for me, it ended up being more like therapy was a part of it, but like, just like talking to people I feel mm -hmm. like I got exposed to a lot of different ideas where I'm like, what the fuck? I can be nice to myself. Like that's a thing. <laughs> like, like I can love that's myself. Concept. I can treat myself like a friend. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling, but I, I didn't actually have a question to follow no, up on that. I, I have a response. I have a response. <laughs> okay. I don't know if there has to be an event because I've, I've been so blessed. I haven't had like much happen to me in my life. I've been really lucky. I haven't experienced a lot of loss or trauma everyone has their stuff it's not like comp like trauma's not comparable that's what I'm saying but just like I haven't ha I didn't have an event I think I just had a weird it was like a itch to scratch like there was just curiosity that led me because I even remember going to therapy there wasn't even necessarily I was like there was nothing I wanted to talk about but I was curious like about what there might be to talk about it was like there's stuff I know I don't know and I kind of want to know more about that stuff I don't know. And then I found out it was stuff like I didn't know I didn't know, which is like a whole other mm -hmm. like plane of existence of stuff. It was much more gradual. But yeah, I mean, and that's not to say also I wouldn't go around judging people who are like unconscious, right, versus conscious. Sure, sure. And I think it does lend itself the compassion to those, like I have more patience for people in general. I used to be mm -hmm. really impatient growing up. Um, but yeah, we're all just like, humans doing our best with what we got at the end of the day we're just out here floating around in a fucking rock yeah. like, trying not to die like, <laughs> like literally. 
and that's that's a that's a crazy uh, that's a perspective that i find interesting in itself is like the sometimes i feel like i talk to folks who um the idea of how small we are is um is like brings brings about unpleasant feelings i guess like it's you know like there's existential depression there's there's things that like we're like why does it matter if we're if we're just like you know a billion years from now we're not going to be around what 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 is um the point of us all doing this why do we try so hard why do we go through this thing and all that stuff and what would you what is your stance there like what what do you think I love asking people this question because you can tell it's such a divide. People who are scared of this topic versus people who are really want to talk about it. It's an understandably scary topic, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much I feel like I have always I always always into this question <laughs> or yeah. like this this content. And in college, what I studied was pretty related to it. It was basically like philosophy plus science. So it was oh, going, yeah. going into this stuff all the time. I mean, I'm totally excited by it. I don't, I don't think the meaning of life changes much, whether we are really important or not important at all. It's all like relative. It's what you decide. So to me, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know if there could be, I mean, I have to think like if, for example, with all of the conspiracy theories going on right now, one of them on TikTok being that, we <laughs> I just love that actually the last interview I did with Alan it ended in a conspiracy theory Amazing. so I love that this is becoming a theme well, yeah. <laughs> there's this one that's like the aliens are right they're already here that whole conspiracy but they actually live underground and they created us so I think if it was if it was like a pist is it epistemologically epistemology where we come from if where we come from we got answers on that that might change a lot like if I found out we were just a lab experiment and we had proof of that that would definitely change the way I see the meaning of life but I don't think it would remove its significance I don't I think it since we are conscious to a certain extent we don't know how conscious we are but you can just decide what the meaning is hmm well that that I guess I, I want more clarity on like what what do you how do you conceptualize the meaning of life and like how do you think that would change that? That's a big question. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how would I conceptualize the meaning of life? Yeah, like how, just or just how do you think about it? Like what, what just how would you talk about it? I would talk about it as I probably would veer towards we are like pretty insignificant like a little blip in the in this time span of the universe and nothing matters but just because it doesn't matter meaning I wouldn't say nothing matters nothing will be recorded or remembered but just because it won't be remembered doesn't mean it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that's how I think of it it's so like what you do does matter to you as you define it your values mm-hmm. for the time you spent here and I think I'm I would veer I'm I would be more spiritually or like open-minded about maybe after death I don't know. Energy gets recycled. I don't. I don't know if we would ever come back. I don't know if I believe in like coming back necessarily. But sure. yeah, I think it's we're probably there's probably no larger. Well, I wouldn't say that. I think there's a larger picture. I think that there is the universe is alive in a way, and there is a creator. I don't know if it's God or whatever. There's some greater being or 
entity or it's just the universe is alive itself but we're not important I just think we're like a little cog in this like much more beautiful much bigger expansive thing that we cannot understand that Mm. we might probably will never be able to yeah I like that though because that brings about thoughts of like I love the idea of us being um a way through which the universe can perceive itself Mm. you know like I I can't remember when I when or how I heard that but like that's something that's always stuck with me because like just the fact that like I mean going back to you're talking a lot about curiosity and curiosity oh man that's that's another bringing it fucking full circle again like back to kids kids are infinitely curious um and whenever you can find that with your adult brain where you can kind of like be more targeted and and all that stuff and find something that's more meaningful to you. It can be so beautiful and how wild it is that we are like amalgamations of particles that are just like, we are, we are stardust, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. I love that perspective and that have come together to be able to, um, witness whatever the fuck it is we're doing here and then talk to each other about it. Yeah. It's trippy. It's nuts. And I I love, I've been getting more into like the, um, I want to learn more about it, but I think yoga in particular has exposed me a lot to like more Eastern perspectives of that. Do you have any, do you, um, have you read or? I just read Living in the Light by Deepak Chopra. Chopra. My friend sent it to me. The first half is about yoga, but from the, as a practice, not like the poses, like as a, I don't know that much about it besides this book. So, but just the, just the, um, the mindset of it or all of the mantras or just the philosophy, if you will, or like practice Mm. of it, um, like kindness and, you know, energy being recycled, stuff like that. And then the second half of the book is literally just yoga poses, but, Mm. um, it isn't, it's yoga seems obviously so much more than just a bunch of poses. It has like a whole universe to it and it dates back so far Mm -hmm. do you do much yoga i went through a phase uh 2014 to 2016 i did it like every day and then i burnt out and started lifting weights Uh, okay (laughs) you've told me this before yeah so what did you what did you get out of um yoga like what was your i'm just curious what your experience was like that was a time in my journey when i was still olympic hopeful and everything i did i just did to win it like this was Mm. before my like I was like 21. So this was before I went down that personal journey of like of where I am now, I guess. Just I wanted to win. I wanted to be the best at it. And yoga is interesting because like you can't be the best. There's at no it. winning at yoga. Yeah, but I didn't understand that. I was like, I can do these inversions. I can do all this advanced stuff. Right, right. I completely missed the point for like two years. And then I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> I just imagine you just going hard as fuck in yoga and Literally. everyone's like, dude, I'm just trying to breathe and flow and yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. I missed the entire lesson, but I appreciate it looking back. I'm like, I did that wrong, but I still, I'll go once in a while. Enjoy yeah. it. Do you uh, meditate? I don't regularly as a practice, but I have logged a, a lot of time meditating. Like that sounds like I'm bragging. I'm not like it was an unhelpful amount. <laughs> How do you perceive there, that as a there, brag? There, like, man, I've meditated, I've meditated for so, so much. Long. <laughs> I'm, I've reached what do they call it when you enlightenment. Enlightenment. Yeah. No, I had to. My coach made me go to um, go to a zendo, which is a Buddhist temple in Manhattan, and on the Upper East Side, I'd go and do zazen meditation with actual Buddhas, like 
real Buddhas. It was pretty cool. But I would do like four hour long sits. They would like hit you if you fell asleep. It was a whole thing. And it was cool. Like I learned a lot, but I also burned out. I burned out on a lot of stuff during that time. Like that just I was intensely pursuing mental like just mental acuity, like trying to be better at my sport and do anything I could to get an edge over my opponents. And that was a part of that journey. But I use like Headspace now when I need mm, okay. once a week. It's not a practice anymore, but it's helpful. Yeah. I mean, shit, like there's so many. I've, through my practice of it, it seems like there is so many different ways that you can look at look at it. And um, depending on how you're looking at it and what you're pursuing through doing it um, or not pursuing through doing it um, is very indicative of what you get out of it. And yeah. that's, a, that's pretty fucking cool in itself. I feel like you could say that about anything. True. Yeah. I feel like that's what I've noticed most in this point. Like thousands of women have gone through our programs. And the one thing I always tell women, and we have like a big orientation kickoff call with them and it's weight loss related usually, or it's fitness related. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I've noticed of these thousands of women, the women that achieve the goals that they want to achieve in the program they get out of it what they put into it. There's no other way around it. It's like, it's going to be a direct, it's like a one-to-one. Like what you put in is what you will get out. There's no magic beyond that. And it probably applies to a lot of things. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about, but I guess the, the other piece that I'm thinking of is the, the, um, and maybe we are talking about the same thing and I'm just thinking of it differently, but the, the, the approach through which, or the, the perspective, the, the, the lens through which you are looking at something. Cause like when you were talking about yoga, it sounds like you were looking at that through a, like a performance um. through a, through a, through a, um, like I'm here to, um, I'm here to win at yoga mm-hmm. and lens. Whereas like, um, when I first started yoga, it was, it was a, like, it was a multiple things. I think I was just sick of lifting. I like, <laughs> I've lifted since I was like 14 and I feel like I got to this point where I'm like, I don't like this. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, I like what it does to my body. I like the, I like feeling strong and all that stuff, but I wanted to do something where I was like, um, getting more in touch with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and while also like, um, um, feeding it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like doing good things for it to make it feel strong. And the crazy thing is like, I feel stronger now than I ever have yeah, you with like that. lifting and stuff like that. So you're saying like what you put into it in terms of like the the perspective or the intention you bring in will yeah, shape the intention's a good word. Result. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I feel and then you and when you were saying like you're like oh like that is with everything and it really like in both those things like both like what you yeah. put like like the actual effort that you put into it or like I think those things, it's not like those are two, like the effort, like what you put into it effort wise and what you put into it, um, intention wise are like mutually exclusive. Like there's a lot of crossover there that happens and they're very related in what you get out of it, but they're kind of, there's some differences there. I feel like worldview that, that going back to compassion for others, thinking in that context, when I, it's interesting, right? If you go, I've noticed this with, in my family a lot, we'll have really different experiences of the exact same event like Mm -hmm. we were all there (laughs) and we all have a completely different story and that has totally changed how I see people because I don't believe there's yes some things are there's a right and wrong or like a factual thing but a lot of times it's just perspective so it's like 
you can try to think of what is their worldview going into this experience, whatever the experience is, whatever they're going to take away or remember from it will be different than yours because yeah. you're literally entering that experience with your all your whole own worldview, your whole own set of experiences, memories, and it's not right or wrong. It's just mm-hmm. like your and it's like days. realizing you have your own bias like that makes you realize everyone has their mm-hmm. own bias. So like we're all just operating on these like pretty different planes and it's the only way you're going to get overlap is if you kind of remember they have a different starting point than you. That's not better or worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the funny, the best part about all that, well, the best part is a little egotistical, but like, that's like, that's like what this podcast is. Like, yeah. that's like the, the, what, the, what lies, the, what lies between like, that's, that's the, um, that's the essence of like, like, I think what lies between if I were to put like one word to it is truth or reality. And like, we all have our different versions of whatever the fuck that is. Cause exactly what you're talking about is one of my favorite things about doing this and hearing people mm-hmm. talk about what they get out of it. And I think I might've mentioned this to you before, but the, just like hearing people be like, Oh, like I watched the podcast. And I'm like, what, well, what'd you, what'd you think? And I'm just like, you know, obviously some of the conversations are like two, one's like two hours long and you know what I mean? Like there's a lot to get out of it, but like what's stuck with you and even the different things that stick with people, but the experience of someone being like, I watched this part and this is what I got out of it. I'm like, Oh, that's funny because when I had that conversation, that was not at all what I was thinking about. Like that wasn't like the, my intention at all. And that's, amazing and like you're saying it says a lot about like how how um i think it says a lot about how um little we know about what reality is and like how we only get little glimpses of it you know yeah i mean it's a hugely philosophical question like is reality like material or is it completely it's like oh they've i feel like they've debated this forever right yeah um Descartes or like all of the philosophers going back on trying to prove what we can rely on to take as real versus not real and most of the times I feel like we rely on our senses but a lot of philosophers have said like you actually can't rely on any of your senses for a bunch of reasons so then if we're not going off our senses like what are we going off (laughs) that's where that's where i think the the big the big thing is like okay within our society we have set things up the world that we have synthesized based on our perception and stuff like those things are important like i need to be able to like go into a job interview and i'm not gonna be like none of this is real like you know like like, i'm not gonna get a job and i'm gonna fucking starve you know like (laughs) but this is where like the adulting that's why we become like we just put on we like all have this shared language that's just like made up Mm mm-hmm yeah to survive like you said earlier yeah yeah and uh, like language language is just like that's so fascinating to me in general because like one of my favorite things to like i just had this question come up in a book that i was reading that was like about like what came first language or music and like that and that sort of question in itself is evokes a lot of thoughts about like what the fuck is language at all like and that progression of it. Cause you think about like, my, my thought, my thought is that like, and this is a sort of borrowed argument, but, um, that like music, music would have had to have come first before like language in the sense of like forming words that have very distinct meaning because like 
we were able to make like sound and stuff like that. Oh, like and, mel- melody or percussion, like um, rhythm or like humming. Yeah, like um, I guess I guess anything to where I guess melody melody more any anything that conveys like something. And and that's the thing mm-hmm. is like as I even talk about this, I'm like, are they kind of the same thing? But they like speak yeah. in different ways. It's like a there's different languages in a way. Basically, an expression that conveys some information without words. Yeah, but there's so much more. Like we can speak so much more precisely with language, right? But we can speak so much more um, with more depth and more breadth. Yeah, with music. There's also things music can say that don't have words. Yeah, like convey feelings. Yeah, or like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there I go. I was like, just going to try to describe it. And I'm like, you just can't. <laughs> like, there aren't the words to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's the coolest thing about music. It's like you hear something that you cannot, like, put into words. And then on a group level, if a lot of people feel the same way when they hear that one song, I feel like that's what makes a concert so cool, you know? Ooh, even that. Um, or that everyone's having their own individual experience that is, like, part of the whole. Like, mm-hmm. there's a there's a whole to the experience Mm-hmm. but each individual person that's probably a little bit well it's it's got to be like different different in terms of like the physical sensation of it like what's what thoughts are going through their head like what they're what they're well actually i feel like that's that's where the similarities come in is like the the expression like the dancing the mood like like that idea or that um phenomenon of like of like um I don't know. This happens to me a lot. Whenever I see someone dancing in a way that I'm like, they just look free. I'm just like, I end up like imitating them in a way. Yeah. And I feel like that happens in that like sort of mob mentality or. Yeah. It's like contagious. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I went to a Rufus to Soul concert for the first time a few months ago. Do you listen to them? I'm not familiar now. They're like, they're electronic, but not, they're not EDM hardcore festival vibes but they they're very melodic and i'd say their songs are pretty emotional and i was listening to the um the musicians talk about one of their songs called inner bloom it's a really famous song and they didn't even know they i think they performed it for the first time live to an audience before they released it on like an ep or an album and the whole they said they described it as like the whole audience they just knew they had created it just the reaction on like a mass on like a scale at scale was palpably like people were feeling something really big and then it became one of the most famous songs in electronic music people have tattoos of this song like it's nuts how many people are obsessed with the song mm. but there's something like intangible or indescribable about that song for a lot of people that no one can really i guess you can try to put it to words but it doesn't ever really do it justice you know yeah like it created such a visceral a deep visceral experience that like that goes beyond words but just is um it also sounds like it, it like I, I I was gonna say memorable but it sounds like it goes beyond that like it's just yeah a connection a connection on a level that you just don't get to experience very often yeah I mean I'm not a musician or anything but I feel like that's one of the biggest points of music or poetry does a good job of capturing things too right that are hard to describe but they use words but it like conveys such a strong emotion or just like the mood of a poem or like the ambiance of it mm-hmm. yeah the the power of uh, metaphor <laughs> yeah is a huge one do you write poetry yeah 
I do. I think I, I think you've told me about this before. What is that? Is that that's your like creative outlet? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a lot of my job is some of it is creative. Oh, sure, sure. But from a personal level, yeah. What do you do with them? Like absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, tell me. I'm curious. <laughs> tell me. Tell me more about this. About like what what um where did it begin i always wanted to be a writer as a kid and i just write a lot i write all the time every day i want to write fiction but oh, i always should just talk to alex more he's a fiction really writer. yeah oh i, I should to... talk to him yeah no he's a he's a he's a very talented fiction wow. writer he's he's working on a book right now that's really fucking good Whoa. yeah but yeah, anyway i would love to <laughs> yeah uh i don't take my writing very seriously it's just sort of an outlet for me yeah. and what's nice is I only I mean I don't know right I feel like if you're writing professionally you have to write when you're not in the mood like even when the emotion's not there you're like practicing writing I only do it when like I have an idea or inspiration strikes it's pretty in terms of poetry so it's there's no structure to it or discipline it's just like you know I go through something in life and then as I'm processing it if I have the the urge I'll start writing about it and now I have what's kind of fun for me is I just have a collection of poems from like very specific life events or like chapters mm. to look back on which is I don't know I just I like that part of it of just having like and it expresses a what I went through in that way in ways that like a journal entry can't or like I don't know video or other things yeah because it just captures the emotion of the time which is hard to recreate when you're I don't know or hard to put yourself back in that place in your life if you've already processed it and you're not there emotionally anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Is that is that sort of how that, um, what that has been to you mostly is like a, a reflection sort of thing or a recording of your, um, of your states in, in a way and something to reflect on later or sort express of. it? I did in like, when I was a kid, I started a Tumblr and I published all my poetry and I kept it completely anonymous and that was the first time I ever shared my poetry with the internet. I still, it's probably still out there, but it's like an anonymous blog. And some fucking sleuthing yeah. later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it really, I feel like I connected with other people through it. And that was something I had never felt before. Mm. And that was cool. So once in a while, I'll share it with friends or something. If it's relevant to something I think they're going through in life. But for the most part, yeah, I just, I don't do anything with them. I just... They just chill in my notes app or my journal or whatever. Yeah. But you were saying, uh, maybe I mis misinterpreted this, but um, were you saying that you, you will look back on them? Yeah, I do look back on them. Okay. Definitely. Especially because I feel like the further you get away from a life event, you you your memory is not reliable. So you start to make things up or remember it differently or maybe sometimes like idealize it or think of it as, I don't know, there's just so much happens in memory. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sometimes if I'm like, I don't know if it really like went that way for me or how I thought it went that way. Reading that stuff can help me like get back in that like point of view. Have you ever had the experience of um, reading back on something and it changing meaning? Yes. Oh fuck. That's yeah. Funny. I like that look. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so definitely because a lot Tell of, me about it. <laughs> I think this is where it's like, there is not really, this is the same thing as getting like a tarot reading. Whatever they say, you will find a way to relate it to your life in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's the same with poetry kind of. Like what I would write, I could write it from this place where I'm say say I'm writing about a relationship or something and it's in a, the relationship's in a good place. 
the poem will read a certain way to me but then say something happens it's not good and then I'm reading it back I'll find things in that poem that seem like you can make meaning out of it I didn't even know like stuff that seems almost like predictive of what was going to happen or like I have this like deeper Mm. intelligence that my body knew and you can but you it's just like what your brain is going to be looking for sure so it's yeah it's really interesting a lot of most of whatever and I look back on it I'll find like a new perspective on it which is kind of what like a lot of poetry does for people is it brings up different Mm. yeah different memories or experiences based on like whoever's reading it yeah and and it's like the um like it sounds like it's hard to discern whether or not is this something is there something profound going on here or is my mind just biasing towards um whatever it is i'm happening to go or or is it both or is it those things combined plus like whatever the fuck else is going on that i don't understand so that's really the question yeah 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 so that's like oh i i think there was a um it's, this has kind of been happening to me recently where I, I used to just have this idea that there was no value in like rewatching things or like oh. rereading things or doing it. It's like, oh, I've already seen it. It's like, well, and I think that's a, that phenomenon in itself, like sort of um, being a future predictor, you know, um, thinking that we're clairvoyant. I think, I think that's something that in a way are, are at least in talking to a lot of folks, I don't want to speak for everyone, but um, that we have a tendency to think that like, we know what's going to happen. Like, Oh, I'm not going to go like talk to this person. I already know they're They're, they're going to say this or mm-hmm. like this, that, and the other. And I feel like that's a sort of related phenomenon, but like, that's also the same thing that makes us think that like, for example, this room, I've been in this room many, many a times. This is my bedroom. You know, I've been living here since April and but it's never looked like this before, ever. What do you mean, like, right now? Yeah, and it's never looked like this before and never will look like this ever again because everything in this world is constantly changing and nothing's ever sitting still, but that's one of the illusions that our mm. our minds love to... It's, it's adaptable, right? It allows us to see things in our environment that are... Um, that stand out, that are different, that are threats, that are, or that are potential resources or whatever, whatever the case may be. But it also like, um, distances us from reality in a way. Right. It's looking for anomalies is what you're saying. Yeah. In a way, like it it has a, it has a, a way of familiarizing things Mm -hmm. in a way like, like, yeah, like when I look at my bed over here, right? Like it looks the same as it always does, right? But like, actually, if you think about it on a like a molecular level, or like the air in this room, like there's there's never been like the same oh. air molecules in this room that ever that were like this. Right. Like, and it's everything is very different. Everything is constantly. We are we are made up of more empty space than we are matter. Mm-hmm. Like, and our, our all of our perceptive systems trick us into thinking that like. Yeah, this is just what this is. And that's like I was saying, like, that's useful, but it divorces us from reality in a way. I kind of forgot where I was going with this. But did I share with you that crazy study about the I think I did, but I'm going to repeat it because it's really interesting. There is a study that I hope it's a real study. I'm pretty sure it's real. (laughs) (laughs) Be great if you're just making shit up. (laughs) (laughs) My source is not TikTok, I promise. But (laughs) basically they had everyone like in this study 
um, wear goggles that turned their the orientation of the environment upside down, mm-hmm. and they had to wear them for 24 hours. And it took within 24 hours, the brain rewired the world, the environment back to normal, back to right side up, even though they were still wearing the glasses that everything was upside down. That's nuts. It's nuts. So like the brain completely knowing gravity, like remapped the environment so that they could navigate it. And it only took a day for the brain to do all that work. Which And they were literally seeing something that they were not actually seeing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Which is mind-blowing. Yeah. And that like, oh, that like, that I think that is, that is a very um, like salient, example of like of exactly what i'm talking about and then it kind of, that's what i wanted to relate it to was the um the value of like re um re-experiencing things that like might seem um redundant or whatever like you know what's going to happen is like like the amount of times i've listened to a song especially recently where like i've heard this song a million times but and I've listened to this particular line a million times and it comes across and it'll hit me. I'd be like, I've never heard it like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, that's fucking insane. Like that's, that's insane to me. And I think that that idea, like once I realize like how much value it is there, like I think it helps contribute to that perspective of like, I don't know. I think we talk about it in terms of like uh, the beginner's mindset or like um, tapping into your child, childlike self. Cause you know, kids like everything's new, everything's mm-hmm. amazing. Everything's beautiful. And for, and those same things that allow us to survive in this world, um, sort of uh, suck the, the life out of things to the beauty out of things. And, but as adults, if you can tap into that and you can really like, I mean, that's something I'm kind of obsessed with is like, how do I activate that like perspective more often? Yeah. You know, do you have any thoughts there on that? Like that sort of perspective? Yeah. I think that's what I I feel like the last few years I've just decided that's pretty much in everything I do. I want to activate play or like just not seriousness. Like Mm. I don't want to take anything that seriously anymore. It's just, it seems silly to me. Like things should be fun and silly and, not every every time someone asks you a question, you don't have to answer like seriously. You could just make a joke. Like, mm-hmm. um, I was gonna say though, have you ever listened to a song that you've listened to a million times and then you hear a lyric and for some reason you just never like maybe you even know the words but you never thought about the words and then you hear I'm not a lyrical person so sometimes I listen to music I hear the melody not the words mm-hmm. and then years later I'll hear the words in the song and it totally changes the meaning of the song for me or even the way it sounds. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at before. And I wish I had a good example of that. Do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, um, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the lyric now. My recall is so bad. It's the worst. We can also listen to it because we have headphones. Um, it's a K Tronada song. That's okay. I'm not gonna be able to, but yeah. You don't want to sing it for me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs to suffer through that or listen to that today. But yeah, no, it was just like one line in it that then kind of just changed the, the like what the song meant to me and also like the mood of the song too. It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Happened. That's an example just came to my mind with, um, 
I can't remember the, I know it's, it's, um, oh, it's like J, J Daly or J Daly or something like that. And, um, the grouch, it's a, um, hip hop song and that, well, I say hip hop, it's, it's of that ilk and it's called clean. The song's called clean. And one of the lines goes a little something like, um, I used to cry for help. Now I just cry on my own now. And that like it's and that's that actually I think is a great example of exactly what you're talking about where I've heard those words, but I've never heard them like I never really like heard them. And it really like said to me like um, like I used to cry for help like when we're children, we cry for help like that's the that's the function of crying like mm-hmm. is to let people know we're in pain. We're hurting right now. We need help like. Um, but now I just cry on my own because it's like shameful. It's like, we're not supposed to show like as adults, we're supposed to just suck it up and deal with it. We're not supposed to show people our pain like that. And I, I think like as someone who's like shit over the past four or five years discovered how powerful, like, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, how powerful like vulnerability can be like leaving yourself open, like, and how it evokes vulnerability and authenticity in others. Um, and um, just enables like a, a really deep connection with someone. Cause you can be like, you're, you're showing me something that is, um, that's hard. That's, that's personal that mm-hmm. you're and Cause like everyone knows how vul- the vulnerable feeling of like crying in front of someone, like, or being upset, being at your quote unquote worst and in, in front of someone. And like, I don't know. I think, I think those sort of things, like it really, it's like someone could just like, like when I just say those words, it doesn't really, it mean, it's, it can mean all those things. I have to sit here and explain it. Right. But in that, those lines, like everything that I just explained and more is yeah. said in there. And that's like, that's music. Like, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that insane though? That's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit. That's like, I don't know. That's, that's something I'm kind of just like obsessed with. And I think of wh- why I'm, I'm going more in direction of like wanting to learn more about Eastern, mm. Eastern perspectives. Cause I mean, here in the West, we like, I want to go do the psychology route and learn as much as I can in that. But like the crossover between the, like the Eastern and Western, I think says a lot about, um, how we perceive the world. Like if you ever get, to, I, I think I've told you about this book before. You ever get a chance to read The Master and His Emissary, it will blow your fucking oh, mind. Oh, no, I haven't. I don't think you told me about that one. What it's the, it's um, uh, a neuroscientist who uh, goes into like the differences in the left and right hemis- uh, cerebral hemispheres yeah. Yeah. and all that. That's cool. And how it's influenced our world. Like, oh, just some of the, the parallels he draws is just like is incredible. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one where like I... I constantly like it's like I it's caused me to divide up like whenever I'm seeing from um well let me back up a lot of what he talks about is like the way that the left hemisphere perceives the world um its directives its motives and sort of like that and the right and then I can like in any given moment be like um oh like I'm seeing through that sort of perspective what is that good for? What is that useful for? And I find that like most of the time I'm in the left. That's more like, I, I would say it's like, it's sort of going back to what we were talking about before with like survival, uh, being in society, like norms, all the things that we've synthesized within this world. Um, 
And then there's like reality, which I think, which what he argues is uh, like the right hemisphere is more into attuned with and is its language is like metaphor and like all those things to where like those few lines mean something completely different in a song than they do when just like spoken. Right. And that sort of thing. It's, it's just an insane concept. Yeah. It's very dense too. (laughs) Yeah. Has the Eastern world, like the stuff that you're looking into now, was that, is that at all related to the body as well? Like sort of like the intelligence at the body stores or like, I think we talked about the body keeps a score at some point. Yeah, or is this I think a different like interests that you're exploring. Well, the body keeps the score is a great um, example of like the crossover between like Eastern and Western sort of perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the body, the Eastern perspective, and granted, like I'll just say the caveat that I don't know a ton of this. I'm very early on in my education of these mm-hmm. things and learning about these things. But um, like uh, like chakras are a big part of it. And like shit, right. you, if you had said the word chakras to me five years ago, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like you're full <laughs> of shit. Like I don't want to hear your woo-woo garbage bullshit yeah. about stuff. <laughs> but the more that I that I explore these things, the more that I'm like, uh, and open myself to, um, I don't know, and just feel. Like when yeah. you just feel, and I don't need to know, like I just, or I don't need to rationalize, I guess. I just know, like, uh, like yeah. through that feeling, I'm just like, and hearing other people talk about their experience with, I'm like, that shit's real. Yeah. Like there's some <laughs> shit fucking going on here I know that like they've been talking about for fucking centuries, you know, like, yeah. and that's so insane to me. Cause I used to think like, oh, like they didn't have science back Me then. Too. Like, yeah. yeah. You're saying, oh, yeah. no, I used to like be like, I'm not woo woo. Like, I'm not, I'm not that. Like I was so rejecting of it, but yeah, I mean, I'm still not woo woo, but <laughs> I'm very, I love woo woo in general. Like yeah. I love that word. Just yeah. like a fucking, yeah, it's like a category of things. Yeah. yeah. It's silly. I definitely agree with you though. I think if more than anything, I've just become way more comfortable and open to the idea that we just don't know anything. So I can't like eliminate woo woo stuff anymore. It's like that could, that is probably just as good a guess as the science stuff at this point. Like, or it's like somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, I think science allows us to do so many things within our society. Like it allows us to manipulate the world a lot that it gives us the impression. Like we know some shit Mm -hmm. and we do, we do know some shit. But the, I think like the more that I lean into the other side of it, I'm just like exactly what you're saying there. It's like we like as much as we think we know that is a drop in the bucket of the fucking universe that is infinite. Yeah, we know nothing. We throw around the word infinite a lot, but we can't even fathom what infinite mm-hmm. looks like. You know, we uh, we have all these measures and stuff like you could fit a fucking billion, trillion, gazillion suns within our solar system. And that's just a blip on the, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. There's, uh, you know, I could go on and on, but um, like to think of the vastness of that. And again, going back to the, like the thoughts of like existentialism and, and all that, like it's hard once you really think about that, it's hard to, fathom that we do know much about anything yeah or to cancel those that things out yeah it's it's silly it's like silly yeah (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah the idea of of us knowing anything just is yeah it just seems really silly to me yeah but i mean we can do some cool stuff with it like we can metaverse and do shit like that (laughs) i kind of want to i want to change gears a little bit because this is a question that's been on my mind um especially as like um i've been trying to figure out ways to 
connect with people over like through content and social media and all this stuff like this is one avenue of it but like even just like recording myself and just like putting shit out there and mm-hmm. being whatever and um and it also goes back to like t- you know ties in like authenticity and all that because whenever i watch your content um like there's there's no difference between who i see on not to say there's no difference but you just seem like your authentic self like in those things i'm curious how you get to that point because you were talking earlier about how like in the beginning it was just like oh this is cringe this is weird and stuff like what does that journey look like that's a compliment that's nice um i've heard it before actually from just members in our community and i don't i genuinely don't know what it would be like to i don't know another way i don't i don't know how i would show up differently than i do online I don't know. I mean, I'd say in the beginning it felt cringy because I was not yet comfortable being seen. Like I had mm-hmm. not, I didn't want to put myself on the internet in any way, shape or form seven years ago, let alone like in a, like in bikinis or like in the fitness era, like the, that type of content. Um, but I just had this vision to build something a lot bigger than myself. And so I managed to separate, I kind of separated myself from it. Like anything I was going to share I was like, my story is meant to help other women. So it doesn't really matter what my story is. Like it, do- it doesn't matter if I look bad on camera on a certain day or I, I don't know. I just kind of let go of that. I was like, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. I'm not going to feel good about a lot of the content, but I just was able to have a bigger, uh, like a 10 year vision of what I wanted the business to be, what I, how I wanted to help people, how I wanted to connect with people online. And it required me just showing up somehow, like just showing up in whatever way I could on a daily basis for like six years. Um, and that's why I leave all my content up. Like if I look at my first YouTube video, it's the most cringe thing I've ever seen in oh, my life. Fuck, I'm definitely it's checking so, this shit out. <laughs> I look at it, I'm like, is that even me? It's so bizarre, but I just leave it up because I'm like, people are still watching it and it's helping someone. So I don't care. Like, I don't care what, yeah. you know. But yeah, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer. I just, it's just what, I just, what it's what comes naturally. I could not show up differently online if I tried. Like if someone was like, be a not version of you. I'm like, what would I even do? I don't, I cannot act. I've always felt very uncomfortable in like theatrical, like theater. Like I just can't, I'm like, that gives me the, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to put on a costume and I just want to show up like how I am. It makes me wonder um, if, because sometimes I, I don't know, it makes me wonder what the difference is between those who like seem inauthentic yeah. on, and, or whether, uh, and those who do, and whether that's like actual inauthenticity or if that's even a good word to describe it. Um, or if it's, um, or if there's something going on there, or if it's just like a, a, a subjective perception, you know? I think, I will say, I think the internet, it's, does not do a good job of representing um, an entire human. Like the, my presence on the internet, like this content is wildly different from what I would normally talk about. Hmm. And the internet in my community only knows me f- through one lens. And so if people meet me and I've noticed this, who've only followed me online for a while and then we meet 
I think they have a completely different it's not that I, I was inauthentic right online it's just like I also have a whole life obviously and a whole other thing other interests outside of fitness but that's all I'm going to talk about on that page that's dedicated to fitness so I think it's hard to go online and show up like not a lot of people are known for many things people are known for one thing and that's why so many pages are very singular the ones that do really well and like go viral or people who generate like build followings they do one thing and they just repeat it over and over again and it's very simple it's like oh this is that guy he's known for organic like dog food that he makes and it's just like the same video and he just he's like it's really niche um and you could show up authentically in one way over and over again but it there's also a million things you're leaving out too mm. yeah that, it, it honestly all everything you're saying there really just tells me how um like the the external perception of authenticity falls short of what it actually is yeah that's a really good way of saying it um because i've also heard like like when you say oh you show up authentically online i'm like i feel like it's me definitely i'm it's it is me but it's like one part of me so it's yeah. i'm not even sure if it's like yeah it's it, there's a lot that's left out of like by omission yeah which I don't know if that hurts the authenticity of it. I don't think maybe it doesn't, but it's definitely like a, a narrow picture of something. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Cause as a thought that comes to mind, as you're saying that is um, maybe part of, I wonder what my perception of, I kind of wish I had watched some of your content before I got to know you more. Like when I was just, mm. when I was just your cat sitter, you know, <laughs> which I just still love, like, is I love our origin <laughs> story. Too. It's pretty it's great. So good. <laughs> um, but I wonder, I, cause I don't think, I think I may have like checked out a couple, a couple of your, um, videos or something like when, when we initially followed each mm -hmm. other on Instagram and stuff. And, um, but I wonder how much my knowing you and how much like from the get go, you and I were very just yeah. straight up with each other and just like it felt really good and and all that like that that's contributing to um that perception yeah that's know? true because i feel like you did get to know me in person before a little bit at least yeah online. yeah well also i also find that i um unless it's content that's about things that I'm particularly interested in yeah. that like, I don't like, I, I, I wouldn't watch your content. Cause it's, no. it's not, I'm, it turns out I'm not <laughs> well, a short, I'm not a short girly, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like not, you're not five foot two and tiny in shape and a woman. I'm literally the exact opposite <laughs> of that. Like I'm the, I'm the opposite end of the yeah. spectrum. <laughs> also, I love how much you use the word girly. Like that's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite words, honestly. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, well, it's so much fun. Like, yeah. I, like I feel like both, <laughs> I feel like both um, men and women have like there's things that like like uh, boy sounds like really cool after and like or it just rolls off the tongue and it feels good. And there's things that girly like sounds yeah. really really good like after. And they like there might be some crossover. Like, um, what's uh, like like um, I'm a sweaty boy. That's something I throw out a lot. Like. <laughs> Yeah. A sweaty girl still works, but it yeah. but it doesn't sound as good. Um, sweaty girly works though. Yeah, it does. It does. I love girl Makes boss too. Girl boss oh, is really? a great one. I hate that yeah. one. That one's uh, <laughs> mostly in like satire because it's it's just it's just funny. Um, but fuck, what were we talking about again? Oh yeah. Okay. So actually, uh, going back to 
um, authenticity online. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I guess let me let me just ask this: What do you? What would you want people um, who only know you as petite girly fitness lady, badass entrepreneur um, to know about who you are? Nothing. Of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm good with them just knowing me as that um, mm. because I am interested in building a movement and a business, not a personal brand. I do have a personal brand, but I see the movement and the community and the mission much bigger than me. Like it's not about me. So I don't really care. They don't need to know oh, okay. everything about me or anything. I just want them to feel seen in like I want it to be a reflection and the means for them to work on their life and improve themselves and get the education they need to understand their body and their metabolism and their health. So yeah, I don't care at all. And that's part of why it's made it easy to put myself on the internet. Cause I'm like, I genuinely don't care at this point. <laughs> so when people, when people do, when you have those interactions, it doesn't really phase you. You're like, well, that's what I want. I don't, I don't want yeah. you to, I want you, I want this to be an outlet for you to, to like live your best life. And yeah. however that, however that works. Yeah. Especially because I know I can, if I want to, like later in life, I want to write fiction. I will just go write fiction if I need to write it under a different name. I don't I don't think I'd even need to do that. But I can't see any reason why I can't go do other things yeah. if I'm just known for this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it being really limiting. And I don't have a need to be known for like a bunch of other things either. I don't. I'm probably... I think I'm extroverted at this point in my life, but for a long time I was pretty introverted. And so I would just prefer the privacy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, that this probably at this point in my life, the petite fitness movement is my greatest passion, greatest. Um, it's when I wake up in the morning, it's what I'm, ex I'm so excited to work on the business. And uh, I, I mean, I'd be thrilled if that's, if that was the singular message that came across for people, mm -hmm. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like that's, that's enough. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think the close people in my life, like closer relationships, those people need to know the rest of the things, right? Like <laughs> I want to be seen for all that I am by the people right. that matter. And then like in my daily face-to-face -face interactions, but online, I don't need them to know like the deeper things or yeah, personally. Mm. That's, I, I, that's such an, that's, I, that's such an interesting perspective because I, I, I like, I don't know. I, I think that's something that I, uh, I struggle with a little bit in terms of like, I think everything that I do, all the things that are connected with my passion, my passions are so personal to me mm. that like, I don't think like, I don't, um, I never, I guess I don't, uh, not that I, I couldn't do this, but like, I didn't even consider like separating those things in a way. I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but like, that's, I don't know. It's, it, it's bringing up all these thoughts of like, of like, maybe I've been looking at this from a, from the wrong angle of sorts. I think what you're getting at is identity because if you identify with the things that you're putting out, I think it becomes, you're a harsher critic of it. If you're like, this is, I'm putting, this is who I am, but because because it's a business, I've sep and I've worked really hard to separate my like think material things, money, my achievements. That's not my identity. I've had to work so hard on that as an athlete. Like anything mm. I win, achieve, work at, that's not who I am. It's something that I do or something that I'm proud of, but not me. There's definitely been like a 
a separation of like okay this is my content but it's not my identity it's this is my social media but it's not my identity it's a business it has it, it it's bigger than me it's you know can hopefully one day not be so attached to me and and represent petite women everywhere but yeah I've had to work hard to like separate my identity from the online persona or like the I don't know the position of it I guess yeah if it was purely passion projects and not a business I think it would feel way harder to do that because then it would purely be like your reasoning for doing it changes Hmm. so you're like doing it because it for you almost or for I'm not doing it for me I guess Hmm. yeah yeah that's that's so interesting it really, yeah, it's just, it's just making me, making me like you talking about this is making me examine me further, which is fucking great. Like that's <laughs> like, that's like, that's uh, one of my favorite things about other having people in my life. Um, cause like the, well, uh, you know, actually uh, let's, let's go this way. I'm, I'm curious what you're talking about identity. What, what, how do you think about your identity then? I think it over the years I've I've always had a fear of being put this is ironic actually I have a fear of being put in one box like a mm. massive fear which is hilarious cuz I just got done telling you that I don't mind being in one box but it's like one box it's like really about caring about what people think of you or not that's what it comes down to cuz okay. I know I'm not fitting in one box if other people want to think I fit in one box that's fine with me because I know I'm not I have a bunch of things that maybe right like we have I think I think of identity now as a bunch of parts that coexist and some of them even contradict which adds so much complexity to human life and some of it is more cohesive and actually complementary but it's so hard to distill someone down to one of their parts it's like we're so complex there's so many different things and that so I'd say I have just a more appreciation for parts of myself that are in conflict or even parts that I didn't like of myself when I was younger that I now accept and love rather than reject. It's like, okay, those have been integrated and I can appreciate those parts too. They're not all of me, but they're a part that play a role or like influence. Hmm. So it's more in my mind of like a web. And I try to think about that when I'm getting to know other people too, because it's so easy to get into a mindset of like, you kind of think you know someone, but it's like, they have like a whole life and experiences and so many parts that take so so much time to see that yeah it's very hard for me to just look at one person and be like this is all you are like this is what yeah. you know yeah and not to mention the things that you will never see exactly or that they will never see of themselves that is huge one of the um i took a cognitive psychology class and um, this is something that at the time I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but it, it, um, it was like, it was like, he was trying to get us to like, wake up in a way. It was like, it was like trying to, he was basically at the beginning of the class. He was like, first day he was like this class, I'm going to try to convince you that everything that you experience is an illusion. Um, um, and one of the things that, um, I can't remember, I think we were talking about perception, um, uh, it doesn't matter, but one of the things that, uh, one of the, the sort of ideas that he posed that is, it's from a, from a, uh, a very big name in cognitive psychology research that I can't remember. Um, but it was basically like something to, oh, it's, it's all about that. We, we talked about this before the, um, gestalt 
um, I think it's just called the, the gestalt, like, or the gestalt perception or something like that, that, um, the sum of the parts is not the whole, the sum of the parts is something, uh, or I'm sorry, the sum of the parts is not the whole, the whole is something completely different. Oh, and that, and it's like, and that, and that sort of, and at the time I was like, I was like, cool. Like, that's great. But now as I go on, like, as I've lived just more life and had more experience, the meaning that that sort of, um, what that says to me is exactly what we're talking about here. And like, like there are just things like all this web of like who we are, if we're talking about just ourselves, like the parts that you were just talking about, the parts of ourselves that, that say that, um, that you see of yourself and you see the most, the more of your parts than anyone else can see. Right. Um, there are still things that you're missing. So if you were to take all the parts that you're seeing and put them all together, that is not the whole, that's something completely different. And that's fucking cool in itself. Like, and, and it's not even that that's really all that, like that idea in itself, like you can't really do anything with that, but it's a perspective. Like, right. And I think that's the, that's the takeaway. Yeah, no, that's blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we're yeah. in the right place then. <laughs> that is a really cool thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we do with that. No, I don't know. But <laughs> that's pretty dope. How do you see identity? How do I see identity? I think, uh, you know, honestly, I asked that question and I was like, in my head, I was like, I've never actually fully thought about this myself. <laughs> like, or never, I don't, I haven't conceptualized a lot of these things um, or like written them down. Like they're, they're sort of just abstractions in my, in my head. Like, yeah, I know like the, the parts, you know, in a way, like I can, I can name a bunch of the parts. Um, but well, let me see if I can come up with something on the spot. Like, I think I think of my identity in terms of values. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, because I think where I've arrived at now and the way that I lead my life is that I have these values, these things that are important to me and I'm constantly gauging whether or not my behavior um, and just the things that I do in this world that have any sort of impact, whether on me or other people um, are in line with those values or not. And the thing that I like about that is that um, is the flexibility of it. The it's, it's flexible, but it's, it's directed like values are things that they're not like goals. Like you're never going to reach them. They're not attainable you can like it's like an asymptote you know like you can get closer and closer to or you can stray away from them and what i've noticed is that like when i look back on my life the times when i was in the most turmoil was when i was really far away from what was important to me Mm. when the things when the things i was doing were just like not in line with what what is important to me and shit like up until maybe a few years ago, I probably couldn't even tell you what was important to me. I couldn't really like name them. So that's like, that's a big part of it. And I think that that sort of flexibility, while it's, it's useful in terms of like, it, it, it is the perception that allows me to, um, 
take these things that could be like the unpleasant things and be like, you're welcome. You're, you belong mm -hmm. here. You are part of me. I love you too. Like there's, there's not, I don't love you any more or less than any of well, I don't know. I don't know if I've gotten there yet. So, cause sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I do love the, the, the feelings of joy a lot yeah. more than the, uh, <laughs> than the feelings of depression, you know, yeah. like, um, but I'm getting to a place where I do, where I do love those things. And I, and I think it, it allows for that. Um, the problem that it poses is that I think whenever, um, like the, um, the sort of going back to what you're talking about in terms of like, like the thing, your business, the, the stuff you doing this thing, that's important to you. Like, it sounds like there's your ability to compartmentalize. It allows you to direct it more and like, and still maintain authenticity and do all these things, but then separate those things. All my shit is mashed together. I feel like. Interesting. And right now I don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if that's a drawback yeah. or whatever, but no, I, something that's coming to mind hearing that is like, it's interesting. Cause to me values are, you could, it sounds like if you think about identity as what are the things about you that stay the same, that don't change with time and mm. values is something that can change, but most likely is like a very sticky, not influenced by time. Usually it's like a character thing almost. Yeah. They're pretty stable. Yeah. Yeah. There might. Yeah. Cause I, I think once they become values that are like once, once they become like, like true values where like, I can see them clearly. I can like, yeah. I know exactly like, like, yeah, that's very true. It's like those values won't, won't change. I don't think, but they could be added to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting. Oh, Jesus. That's a that's a cool way of thinking about that. Yeah, when time is a factor mm. in the idea of identity, because it kind of kind of has to be in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how it's how it's thought of um, in a psychological sense. Those those relatively stable um, aspects of yourself that. Mm. Um, that that influence influence your your just experience of this world yeah you know that differentiate you from from others but then it's also like nature versus nurture like what is inherently is there an inherent identity you have say like before you're born or like right when you're born versus like what the what the world hmm. gives you that you then turn into an identity like is there a is there a distilled version of you that's pre-world experience you know, that's, I love that question because something I think about a lot lately is like those things, those, those things that are innate, those yeah. are like those common, those universally human things and something that a question that had popped in my head earlier that didn't feel right to ask in the moment, but feels great right now, <laughs> which I, which is, I don't know, that's a cool thing in itself, but, um, <laughs> is that, um, when you're when we were talking about, um, oh, it had something to do with like, like the feeling of like, like that something, um, like you couldn't really identify it, but like something, there's a pull towards something in your life. Um, and I feel like one of those things is truth and the trouble with truth is that it's similar to love 
in that it's used in very many different contexts and all that. But like the, I think love and truth are two of those things that are innate Mm. human qualities. Like, like we're drawn towards truth and truth being the nature of reality. Like what, not, not like it's true that, I don't know, like in a, in a physics sense or like, um, like lies and truths and stuff like that, but like objective truths of reality yeah. and love, like are two things like, or the, 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 the need for those things, the pull of those things. Yeah. That's a really good insight. Just what's true for like humanity as a whole, like the connecting, they're the unifying traits yeah unifying is a great i love i love thinking about that that um this was a thought that came came to me earlier too when you were talking about the compartmentalizations i'm thinking about in terms of like what we're doing here Mm -hmm. and like what like it's it is it's truth seeking in a way um but i'm trying to figure out a way to like to convey like that that idea of um singularity of sure like do you do you think about that much like is that something that comes into your world in terms of like the human experience yeah or just like the the singularity of the universe are are just very like i don't know you've done mushrooms before like there's it's hard not to not (laughs) it's hard not to think about those things um like the oneness yes Yeah. yeah I mean, definitely easier to tap into that when you're on <laughs> yeah. mushrooms. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a spiritual, well, it's like the idea we're all the same really at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's nothing that special about or that different about people at yeah. its core. Do you spend much time thinking about that? Probably not. Mm. I'm obsessed <laughs> um, with it right now. Are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're on like in, a... <laughs> in a way, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's other shit going on, but like that's something that's constantly <laughs> popping in my head. How is it coming up for you? Like in what capacity? A, a lot of times just, just with meditation and like... Oh, sure. And yeah. um, I, think, just... I think the seeing ourselves in others, like the, the usefulness yeah. of it. Because like it's an interesting philosophical, philosophical question, but like I, I really... Um, I think I just identify very hard or very strongly with like, or my purpose in this world. If I were to even like name a purpose, I feel like it is to like touch as many people as possible and be like, this shit's happening. Like we are yeah. one, like we don't need to, we don't need to hate each other. Like we, we can, I don't know, love, like, with, yeah. like bringing, bringing people interconnectedness and that sort of thing. I just like, that just I don't know. That's the shit mm-hmm. that like whenever I've had some like very powerful experiences of feeling that while stone cold sober and just like and and that like being the strongest feelings of just like togetherness with like the universe and other humans and whenever yeah. it contributes to a perspective of like whenever I see someone doing something that like I would traditionally see as like ugly or like not not appropriate or whatever it is. I'm just like the goes back to compassion you know yeah come to think of it this i feel like i thought about it a lot as a kid and less now Mm. because as a kid i grew up in this town that had no light pollution 
and the stars were a huge part of my childhood like you could see the milky way from my backyard there was just nothing out there mm-hmm. and i used to think about how we all see the same sky a lot as a kid and that's just such a it's kind of like romantic romanticizing it but it's an interesting it's like even if you're in a really different perspective like you're still all looking at the same kind of witnessing like the beauty of the universe at, in some way at some point like you could say that about the ocean or a lot of different things. I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. I love that because that's something that that's a reoccurring theme that comes up when like, um, I talk to folks or whenever I go experience these things myself and I talk to people about it, like we all have some sort of connection. Like when we get into a place in nature where we get to be around these huge, powerful, forces of nature that make us feel so small like the stars like the ocean like mountains huge forests like it's like wonder yeah it's the feeling of wonder (sighs) yeah which is a a very human thing like a an innately human thing that's pretty fucking cool yeah (laughs) i don't know i think i think that's a good place to end but I also want to say that you're also a wonder, April. I'm a wonder. You're oh, a wonder. Thank you. Like I mean that. Like this is. I, I think. I, I think of it very. Oh, like those very powerful moments that I was talking about. A lot of times they are like me reflecting on like how how lucky I feel to have all these wonderful people in my life, and that's like what inspires these conversations. Is mm-hmm. that like. I've been fortunate enough to have enough experiences in my life to lead me to this point where like I have an ability to connect with people on this level and like it is so beautiful and I'm so grateful for you and your friendship and this has been a lovely conversation. This has been. It's an honor to be on the pod (laughs) and I'm happy you're sharing your gift with the world. Just talking to your friends and showing the human connection. It's it's awesome. I appreciate you. Do you want to, um, I don't know how to do this shit, but do you want to, do you want to talk about your, uh, cause I, I was actually curious to talk, talk to you about like your, your launch of things. We can talk about this oh. here or like off the, off the air or whatever. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it's not like I have the sprawling audience right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, either way. Also this conversation is so like just a genuine convo with a friend. <laughs> like if not, I don't have any ulterior motives or interests but (laughs) if the people want to know they can go to petitepower.com and check it out (laughs) if you're five foot four and shorter (laughs) if you're six foot four tall man you don't need that (laughs) so my my workouts your workouts won't work for me (laughs) yeah probably not your cup of tea but (laughs) not everything is meant for everyone oh that's that's a that's another excellent (laughs)